In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Messiah to be born? They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening the treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And had been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Oh, this summer we decided to do something different. We decided to say, you know, we're not going on any trips because we're saving up to go to Disney over Thanksgiving. But we want to have something fun to do at the house. So we splurged and bought one of those above-ground pools that you can put together, you know, that's big enough for your family of four or five to feel like you're getting a swimming experience. So we bought one of those things and threw it up in the backyard. And before you know it, I was a pool specialist. Finding out what chemicals you need to put in there, checking the water, just getting all into it, you know. Still to no avail, it turned green in the middle of July. I just don't know how that would happen, but you couldn't fight it. But yes, we bought one of those little pools. It was a blast. It was fun just to go in the backyard, hop in for a cool swim and hang out for a while. Put the music on your phone and set it on the deck so you can hear what was playing and just kind of hang out. One of the things that I really enjoyed about it was at nighttime when the kids were asleep. And when we were still up, I'd go and I'd just go sit in the pool. I was like, you know what, before I'm done, I'm going to go get in the pool, sit in a pool float, and just wade in the water. Just wade in the water. Just me in the backyard. And as I sat back, I'd like to look up on the clear sky days in the summertime. And we all from Mississippi know that when you look up the skies in the summertime, it's not always quiet, right? You hear what I call summer bugs in the background. The sounds of summer. You're just sitting out there and you can just hear them go and go and make all the noise. And you just sit and look at the stars. One of the most peaceful things I enjoyed this summer doing was getting in that Walmart above ground pool at nighttime. Sitting in the pool float. Just looking up at the stars. Listening to the bugs. Enjoying the surroundings. We've all have done that. I'm pretty sure. Then you compare and you contrast it to the wintertime. The pool's drained, okay, probably could have left it full until yesterday, so hot outside, but the pool gets drained, you start getting it prepped to be put up for the winter, and so when I, at nighttime, go out in the wintertime, usually I go out and have to let the dogs go for their nightly run before we put them up inside, so I let them go out and I'll just sit on the deck and let them take care of their thing, and 
In the wintertime, I could stand on the deck, look up at the sky on a clear winter night, see the stars, see the smoke from my breath as I'm in my slippers and I'm shivering, wanting them to hurry up. But then I don't hear anything. The bugs aren't there. It's quiet. The winter night sky is quiet. And you know, I imagine that this was this time when the wise men, when they were outside looking at the stars as they do, because they were astronomers, they like to look and study the stars. It was probably cool to cold, no summer bugs, just silence and the stars. And in that moment, I can just visualize them all sitting out there and noticing something different about the sky. That God was sending them a sign that the Messiah has been born. And that sign, that star, what they were looking for was right there in front of them. And they said, we know what we've got to do. We've got to go follow that star and see this Messiah. So the night sky is a big picture here. It's a big part of this story. The sky, the star, is the catalyst that moves people around in this story. And so when we get to this verse here, when we get to this verse, the first verse, in the time of King Herod after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. King Herod, main character, bad dude, okay, bad dude. But yet, he was uh, very popular and well-liked among the Roman government officials and the Roman emperor. They have installed him as a puppet king of this region. He installed him as a puppet king of the Jews, even though King Herod wasn't really a Jew himself. So that way he could keep the Jewish people happy. And so it was not uncommon for people from the east to come to pay homage to rulers and kings of the Roman Empire. A later Roman emperor, Nero, who was another bad dude, there's a story that Persian wise men came and paid him homage at one point in 66 AD. So it was not uncommon for people from the east to come and visit new rulers and kings. And so it was appropriate for these wise men who knew to be looking for this sign, who knew the story of the Jewish people, the people of Israel. Because you've got to remember back in the Old Testament days, they were exiled to Babylon in this region. And so the story of God went with them. And the people in that region knew the story of God. And so they knew what to be looking for. And so these wise men came from the east to pay homage to a new king, to Jerusalem, who would be the new capital of this kingdom. All makes sense. Should have been no surprise, except for it was a surprise for King Herod. And he didn't like this surprise because no king really likes to be told from a group of people with gifts that say, hey, we're here not to see you who's the current king. We're here to see the next new king. No king likes to hear that, especially King Herod, who'd like to keep a close grip on everything. So he became frightened. And it says here, because he is such a bad dude, whenever he gets scared, bad things happen. All Jerusalem 
was frightened because King Herod was frightened. And they didn't know what he was going to do. And we always get this idea that it's three wise men because there was three gifts. And I'm not saying that could not be true. But if you look at other times when wise men and magi from the east come to the west, usually it's a large group. And so while there could have been primary wise men, this came with a large caravan of individuals. That would have been a big scene to come see the new king of Israel. And so that is another reason why many people say Herod was frightened. And so, calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judah, for it so was written by the prophet. And this is coming from Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least the rule among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler... Who's to the shepherd? My people. And so, when all of the religious leaders were gathered, this is interesting, all the chief priests, they knew what to be looking for as well. They knew the signs and what this Messiah was going to mean for everybody. But yet, Herod had to call them together. They weren't already there looking for the Messiah. It was almost like they didn't even care. And then when they got there and they told them where to look, they didn't go. And that was always interesting because at that time they were so complacent. They were dead inside, which is why Jesus was always challenging them because they knew the law. They knew what to do. But the chief priests and the scribes, the chief priests were like the bishops and the main religious administrative figures of the day. The scribes were the teachers of the Old Testament. They knew Scripture. They knew what they needed to be doing. They just weren't doing it. And this is another example of that and why Jesus was so tough on them because their job was to teach the people and they weren't truly teaching or living it out what Scripture was calling them to do. So when then Herod secretly called for the wise man and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go Search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word so that I can go and pay him homage. Empty promise. Empty promise. Herod was not going to go and give gifts and homage to the Messiah. If you continue reading the story, he wants to find him and kill him. He wants to eliminate this threat to his rule. This threat that's going to cause chaos and get the eyes of the Roman government officials who may replace King Herod. He wanted to eliminate this threat. He wanted to know where the child's exact home was. He wasn't going to give them gifts. He was going to get rid of them. But the wise men, when they heard the king, they set out. And from there, ahead of them, there was the star again they had seen at its rising they followed it until it's over the place where the child was. And when they had, the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. They knew what they were looking for. They had found the Messiah, the child and his mother. The child and his mother. It is um, a scene that I think many of us can visualize. Probably to her surprise on how big of a group it was. 
You know, imagine as you mothers that are out there when you had children that were young and you were probably going about doing your housework and the kids were running around getting a knock at your door and all the world's royalty and wise men were there to pay gifts to your child. It was for Jesus. And you see here, that's, the scripture puts the, the proper uh, authority here when it, when it puts the child first with Mary, his mother. They mention Jesus before Mary to highlight how important this child really is. And you see, when they entered the house, they, gave, they saw the child with the mother and they knelt down, paid him homage, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was almost kind of like Jesus' baby shower, right? He gets some gifts. Now, way different than what they do nowadays. Way different than what they do nowadays. They do, before the baby shower even begins, they've started this new trend that started when my daughter was coming around. Because we did it for her, but not as big as they do it now. We just did a, a cake that told us the gender. But they do these big gender reveal parties with these big confetti cannons and all kinds of stuff to show you what it is. Some of the best ones to see is when the confetti cannon goes off and they don't know what color it is or it's the wrong color. I always laugh at those. But they do these big gender reveal parties. Then you have all of these baby showers and all these gifts and things are brought to you. And I remember with my first child, I didn't understand what half of these gifts were. I'm like, what's this for? What do we do for that again? Why do we need so many diapers and burp cloths? And it's like, I can't have, I don't have enough room in the house to put all this stuff. But at 2 a.m. during a diaper change and a feeding when you're burping, I'm like, that's why we have this. That's why we have the pacifier clips and 50,000 of them. It all makes sense now. And so, yes, those gifts that you get when you have a child typically are very practical gifts, very useful gifts that you don't understand. Why am I getting this, especially your first child, until, until you do get it? That's why we have these things. So this right here, almost like Jesus' later baby shower, because what they bring with them are not necessarily things just for Mary and Joseph. While they're going to use them for Jesus, they're gifts for Jesus and they have symbolism. You know, gold would have been very important for their family soon after that night. Because as I said, this, this passage for the Epiphany Sunday cuts off what happens next. But as I said, Herod was not wanting to know the location of Jesus so he can go bring him the baby gifts that he wants to bring. No, he wants to send in his soldiers to capture the child and kill the child. And so the, the wise men come with these gifts that were prepared a long time ago. Because it took a while to carry these gifts across this terrain to get here. So they packed them a long time ago. But they'd be very useful. Gold would have been needed for Mary and Joseph when in the middle of the night they were told that they needed to leave. And they needed to go to Egypt and needed to stay there for a while. Because someone's coming after your child. Gold would have been very important for that family to use to trek across to Egypt and to live in Egypt until it was time to come back. Myrrh, you get that a lot when you hear people are um, preparing a body for burial. But it's also a very calming substance as well. And is used a lot in earlier times when a child is born as well. Frankincense is also a calming oil that can be used. All of these things have relevance and connections to the greater story, but they weren't just random gifts. They were actually intended for immediate purpose. 
And this right here tells us so many things. Because it shows us that in times of need, God, in his own mysterious way sometimes, will provide exactly what you need in that moment. Even though you didn't know you were going to need it. There's been times in my life where the Spirit of God has has given me what I needed for that moment. There's been times in my life where materially God has provided for what we needed in that moment. You know, there's some times where we're financially, we'll be doing a little good. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then something comes up. I didn't know it was going to come up. I'm like, well, I'm glad we had that to cover this. I wish we'd had more, but hey, and I look back at it, it's like, it's just enough. God provides in his own way. And so in this story, there's so many things we can gather as Christians from it. One of the biggest things is, is knowing what happens afterwards and realizing God provided exactly what was needed in that moment, just like he does for us. And so many takeaways, many takeaways. God providing what we need is important to know. But I think the other big thing that we have to realize in this story here of the wise men is that these magi compared to the chief priests and scribes and King Herod they were paying attention they were watching they were seeking they were seekers they knew what to be looking for and they were still they were looking at the sky and they noticed the sign they needed and they knew where they needed to go and what they needed to do to be a part of this story that we're hearing about today on Epiphany Sunday. And so it makes me think back to, are we in our lives seeking where God could be and what God is calling us to do? Are we being still enough, metaphorically looking up at the sky, either noticing the bug noises or not noticing the bug noises? but noticing where God is calling us and moving us and telling us what we need to do. And sometimes that can be scary. Sometimes that can be challenging. Sometimes that can be frightening. But don't forget about this other piece of the story. God provides what you need in the moment so you can go and do what you're called to do. And sometimes that is for us in this life and where we are to be like that star that God's people to where Jesus is. So, practically speaking, maybe you're called to invite your neighbor to church. Maybe you're called even first to get to know your neighbors in your neighborhood. Sometimes that's even a challenge in today's world. That's one thing that I appreciated way back when we were at home with COVID is that I got to know my neighbors more. And those relationships are strong today. And so maybe we're called to invite our neighbor to church. Maybe we're called to start a small group. Maybe we're called to go see that friend or call that friend that has lost a loved one or is having a tough time for whatever reasons it is. Maybe you're called to make more of a commitment to participate in ministries of the church. There's so many things that God can call us to do. And I would caution you to not be afraid because he will provide you the strength and the resources to go and do what you're supposed to do. He will figure that out. He will provide. He is the great provider just as he provided us Jesus. Just as we have gone through the season of Advent and preparing ourselves for Christmas and the birth of Christ, 
He provides us even a path back to him from when we fall away. He doesn't give up on us. He loves us. Will never stop loving us. And he provides a path back to him through Jesus Christ. So knowing that and having the assurance of that should give you the strength to go forth and do what you're called to do. So I think this story has so many things. So many things that we could take away from it. One is to pay attention and always be in the attitude of seeking God. Two, have no fear. He will provide what you need in those moments. And then three, go out and be that star for that person that needs to know the path to Jesus Christ. Let us pray.